Okay. Here we go. All right. So welcome back to the Practicing Postmodernity. Today we have Kyle, the host of the page, I Need God in Every Moment of My Life. We're very excited to have you on, Kyle. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be on. Um, I love being asked to be on things. So had to say yes. <laughs> so Kyle, for those who don't know your page, what can you tell them? Give us a little bit of background about like how you came up with it and the kind of stuff you post. Sure, yeah. Um, for someone who doesn't know the page at all, it's an Instagram page called I Need God in Every Moment of My Life. Its theme is God. And so the posts are all spirituality, God, religion, belief, conspiracy, anything to do with the spiritual and godly. And um, it's basically just a curation of memes and found images. Sometimes we make them, but often, most often not. Um, and then, so it's like a curation of God content, kind of from every corner, every part of the spectrum of God that could be online. Um, I run it, but three other people are admins too. So anyone could really post to it. Um, kind of a group project to start. And um, yeah, I guess it's resonated and uh, brought God back to the mainstream in a big way. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, we see all kinds of people posting your apparel, the clothes that you sell from the page. Yes. Um, but, but so like, why a God themes page? Like what's behind, what inspired that whole concept? Yeah. I've always been interested in God. Um, I was raised Catholic and I went to Catholic school until second grade. And then I was a cantor at church until I graduated high school. Okay. Um, and then through high school, it was like 2005 to 2009. And um, I was kind of like emo, not really believing in God, but still like singing at church every weekend. So I had a sort of like dual identity at church in a way where it's like I don't really I don't know if I believe in this but um, I'm participating I'm participating in the production of it yeah and um, that gave me kind of a lot of perspective that I feel like transfers over to the project yeah um, I've always been interested in just like esoteric things bigger picture things like big brain thing yeah um and i attribute that to astrology actually because okay. i practice astrology and it's just like in my birth chart that way so i just feel like i was born in, in this way like interested in god in the most broad sense um so yeah it's something i've always been interested in and used in my art and my life uh, so it's just like a natural progression kind of for me and um it was done with friends who were also interested in god at the time and we just had a, we just had a knowledge that the conversation about god was about to get really big and we wanted to like start our instagram page before we missed the wave of it and um so that's why we kind of did it to start so when you say like you have this sense that the idea of god was going to be big what made you say that? Like, what signs did you see coming? That's a great question, but I don't even know. It was mostly a feeling. Um, another thing about me is I've been online since I've been like 12. Okay. So I've been online participating in internet culture, kind of, you know, to my benefit and to my detriment in, yeah. uh, in an addictive kind of way. Totally. So it was like, we just knew <laughs> just by being tapped in. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if there were particular signs, but it was just like, Maybe there was more God content being made that we noticed and we were sharing with each other. And um, it, was, it was about the same time that praying was about to begin too when we started our page. So it was just like on the tip of this kind of, I don't know, I don't know why. It must have to do with Neptune's transit through like yeah. Pisces or something. Okay. So uh, I'm curious to hear 
I mean, first of all, like you cover a whole range of different types of memes, but also brands of spirituality. So you mentioned like you have like these trad kind of Catholic imagery, you have astrology, sometimes you have Muslim posts. So like you're covering a broad span. Mm -hmm. um, but that's why I'm curious to know, like what kind of response are you getting from all different kinds of believers and non-believers? Yeah, the response is varied. Yeah. And I think maybe that's good because the page is kind of designed to kind of toe the line between like sincerity and irony and belief and non-belief. So people from like any all parts of the spectrum response to it. Um, on the nicest side of things, it's people saying like, me and my mom were religiously traumatized and now we're addicted to your page and send memes to each other. And like, I love seeing it every day and like it helps me cope or something. Or um, I, my faith has been reignited and like I started going to church again. And like, you made me be able to appreciate God and Jesus in a way I wasn't able to like approach it before. Or like, I was afraid to laugh at it or like, laugh at myself for believing in something. And now I like find myself, you know, like genuinely believing in my faith from growing up or something like that. Mm -hmm. And that's like awesome. I love that. Yeah. And then there's more like the confused response, which would be like, are you guys serious? Do you really believe in God? Are you mocking people? Like, what do you really believe? Are you Christian or are you not? Like people kind of like being angrily confused. Yeah. And, um, I guess on the hater side, the haters are kind of quiet, which is nice. Sometimes yeah. one or two will say something, but usually not in a DM. It's usually like something I would find elsewhere, like not directly at us. Like someone commenting like, oh, I hate this page or yeah. something. But it's, I feel like people who really don't like the kind of humor the page posts don't engage with it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Because <laughs> there, I mean, when I first found the page, I thought I understood what was going on, but then a couple of posts later, I was like, wait, no, this is, like, it, it's hard to pin down exactly what you're doing. And also, like, mm -hmm. and, like on it from a, I guess you could say a political perspective, like, mm -hmm. there's some posts that, like, may appeal to certain factions, there are others that may piss that same faction off. It's, yeah, mm -hmm. like, it's all over. It's pissing it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, like, it's not trying to really convert anybody yeah. or you believe one thing or another, but sometimes I'll post something and it's like, like feels like, yeah, my heart is saying this, sure, it's a cheesy Facebook mom prayer I post, and it's like, it's not a joke, um, or sometimes it's just like a sound image that I know people are going to like, and I'll just post it because of that, you know what I mean? It's not something I really yeah. care about what it says. <laughs> yeah, and I think whether or not people looking at the page agree, like, all these memes do make you think. Yeah. Like, if it does make you ask their like spiritual questions. Yeah, and I think it's important. I think there is an effect. Excuse me. Excuse me. I think there is a necessity to God, whether you believe or not. Yeah. So like regardless of belief, disbelief, there's still a necessity for a power that's above uh, a human power. Uh, kind of, kind of deep in our humanity. Yeah. Excuse me. It's all right. <laughs> And um, having reminders of that on your feet every day is something that could be positive. Also, like, when you think about, like, what you're not supposed to talk about at family dinner, it'd be, like, religion and politics, right? And it's just, like, okay, maybe, like, religion could be more a part of our conversation if we aren't so hot-headed about it or yeah. dogmatic. Yeah, no. Um, and the other thing that, I mean, I'm sure drove a lot of traffic to your page was there was this Vox article. I guess it was last summer that came yeah, out. Yeah, like, last autumn, maybe. Probably, yeah. So that was interesting because it was the author was trying to capture this like I forget how she how she phrased it, basically like this trend in like weird Christianity, quote unquote. Thank mm -hmm. you. Can I have some sugar too? We're in a cafe uh, right now. You, guys, yes. you couldn't tell. We didn't yeah, really we, that. We'll, we'll, we're going to take like a quick uh, <laughs> quick diversion. So we're at the famous Cafe Reggio in the West Village. 
I would call this the village. The village. Mm -hmm. We're like, what? We're right under Washington Square Park. Exactly. Yeah. It's um, NYU. Yeah. NYU area. No, it's McDougal um, Street specifically. McDougal Street, yes. Yeah. So we're right across from Louisa May Alcott's house. And then you mm -hmm. said it was Bob Dylan who wrote a song. Or like Bob Dylan lived here too on another lane. Probably. Something like that. I, I forget. Um, but there's history here. There's history. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I mean, it's an interesting place because it's covered in all like. I don't know what, like Renaissance-ish Italian art. Yeah, um, there you got some religious images around here. There's some like Orthodox icons in the back. Yeah, like hidden somewhere. And then there are two, there are two paintings. So the one across there that is a student of Caravaggio. That's an original. Oh really? And there's another one around the corner. Oh my god, it's really funny in here. I'm Italian American, so okay, this is too. really hidden the spot. Yeah. yeah, the vibe is old Italian grandmothers, exactly. like kitchen and basement. Yes. Yeah. And this used to be an Italian neighborhood back in the day. Oh. Yeah, because like, what, two blocks over, you have Our Lady of Pompeii, which is like the Italian mm. church, mm. You know, a few more Italian restaurants. So. Oh, cool. Yeah, so you got that history. But anyway, anyway, so no, the Vox article is, yeah, just like capturing this new trend on social media, celebrities. I don't know. What did I don't know. Like, okay, so people say Catholicism is trending or something, and this has been like, a media narrative that all these websites have been running with and it's like that's kind of what the vox articles main idea was coming into mm -hmm. it and when they interviewed me they're talking about yeah like why is catholicism trending specifically and um i did another interview recently with this um abc radio in australia cool and they had the same kind of topic and um it's very confusing to me because i'm like is catholicism really trending like this isn't I don't really believe that's true. I feel like it's just a media story about it trending where it's like people are the same amount of Catholic as they ever were. My vibe of like, okay, are there really more kids becoming Catholic? I don't think so. I think like I did um for my podcast, I Need God Pod, I interviewed Dasha Nekrasova, who I feel like is maybe the reason that this whole idea even exists in media where it's like she is vocally Catholic and kind of like jumped into this trad cath trend a few years ago. Yep. And um, I think that's all it really is, is. I think it's just a posturing maybe, just like an online aesthetic, not not real, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm, that's what I was gonna say. Like she's the real reason. She's one of the reasons. I think like it was the Met Gala when they did the Catholic imagination. Oh yeah, Heavenly Bodies. Mm -hmm. So there was that one that kind of set a precedent for this. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It brought like the aesthetic to the front. Kind of like when yeah. the Met Gala did the camp show. Now all yes. the kids are saying camp yep. to describe everything. Yeah. It's just like, so. okay. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, I like Catholicism and I think it's cool and interesting. But uh, yeah, like the Vox yeah. article, I guess it broke traffic to my page. I don't really know. Yeah, I mean, the only thing though, so like now that Dasha's doing what she's doing, I am seeing. A surprising amount of young people who now are curious about Catholicism because of her. Mm. Some are doing it as performance, just to be ironic. Some are like spiritually seeking through that avenue. Mm -hmm. um, then there are some other people like my younger brother's in college now. Mm. And he's just like on a disillusion with like straight up secularism and mm -hmm. Catholicism is most readily available to him. So that's why. And he's not doing it in like a like a kitschy pietistic way but he's like i don't know like genuinely seeking something so i think yeah in general i do think there's a trend of young people seeking some kind of spiritual escape from secularism that's true right. i agree with that yeah like with astrology is the same thing yeah um so you guys were raised catholic because you're italian 
kind of i'm also a little greek orthodox oh, okay so cool that's where i like mostly went to church as a kid but, got it yeah okay so it'll mix i feel like i should be interviewing you because i like looked you up before meeting you and i was like oh you're like a religion professor or something a fake one yeah kinda. a fake one what do you mean i'm just an adjunct i'm not like a real person. oh okay yeah. my friend just quit her phd at rutgers yeah, I, if I <laughs> she really did it for four years, so that was like, I can't do it anymore. I would quit at the issue at Rutgers, like, the first day. Yeah, she's doing, like, media studies. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. I hear horror stories from that place. Oh, yeah, she was, it was rough. Yeah, academia right now. Not, not great. A, not a place I want You got to start your own school. Um, I mean, that's the thing. A lot of weird Catholic people are doing that. Yeah. But... My yeah. friend L.A. Warman has her own school, the Warman School. Um, I recommend anyone who's, like, interested in taking, like, independent writing courses to look it up because it's, yeah. it's rad. And I love people who just do independent and stuff like that. I, yeah. I would take so many classes if more people were doing that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you went to NYU. And you were saying, so you were saying that you were pleased with the graduate experience less so than undergrad, right? Yeah, I went to graduate and undergraduate school at NYU. It was kind of a mistake. Like, my parents didn't go to college. Um, they're poor right now. Like, I have so much debt from it. And we were just really naive about it, honestly. And they thought, we all just thought, you could do anything. It was 2009. Okay. Um, but, and I shouldn't have gone to grad school because I guess I have so much debt from it. But I'm not, I'm not paying it anyway. It doesn't matter. Um, the performance studies department at NYU is really good. It's a pocket of good amongst the negative mass of academia, I think. Yeah. There's a few programs in the you know that are, are good and there's good people in them. And performance studies is one of them. Like Fred Moten teaches there and um some looks like really great you know neo-marxist kind of um it's basically social studies <laughs> which is my favorite kind of studies with a focus on performance and not necessarily it could be performance of anything like my thesis was um on one direction fandom and oh wow yeah i'm really interested in like secular modes of worship okay um so i did it on like how a tumblr blog could be an altar and how altar making is a, women, a women's practice that um, women would do apart from like the patriarchal church practices, mm -hmm. like a private um, queer practice, honestly. And um, I also did it about the concert experience and like the yeah. ecstasy of, of teenage screaming and idols come to flesh before your eyes. Yeah. And then the safety of uh, climbing over uh, feminine masculinity, which you can never attain and, and how those boys wow. act as a way to become straight because you could uh, desire something that won't hurt you kind of, cause you'll never come in contact with it. So you did this all at NYU. Mm -hmm. That's amazing that you have the space to explore that kind of stuff. I mean, wow. the performance studies program is really like, when I did it anyway, it was 2014. So yeah. like almost 10 years ago, but it was like very open. Like you didn't have to write a paper necessarily. You mm -hmm. could do a performance and wow. a paper. Okay. You could kind of, you could, it's very woo woo in a sense. Yeah. And my favorite teacher, her name was Deborah Caption. Okay. And um, her whole thing is about the art is about listening and deep mm -hmm. listening. And she's Moroccan and she is a Sufi. And um, Interesting. We, I took a class literally just called Listening with her. And um, wow. that was the best. <laughs> she rocks. But it's like kind wow. of like... But there are also hard asses there too. There's this woman called Anne Pellegrini mm -hmm. and she is like a queer Freud studies oh, wow. lady and she uh -huh. wrote books about secularism. Hmm. She wrote one called Secularisms about the plurality of the secular and uh -huh. uh, how the secular and the religious co-form each other and can't exist without each other kind of. And uh, that informed me a lot too. Interesting. Yeah. Were you exposed at all to Charles Taylor's work on secularism? I don't, I'm not familiar, no. Okay, so that's one of like the big theorists of secularism. Okay. But no, but there was a guy we had on the podcast a couple of months ago, Jane, Jamie Smith, 
there's this idea of what he calls cultural liturgies. Okay. He's challenging the idea that like there's that there's such a thing as neutrality that like there are certain experiences that are devoid of any kind of spiritual forces right and one of the things he writes about is the concert experience because mm-hmm. like it's extremely spiritual mm-hmm. you know and the, I, I don't know i'm curious to hear like yes. more of what you wrote about having to do yeah. with, like how the concert like how is the concert a liturgy in itself right i mean you can go on academia.edu and okay. search about my paper it's called girl almighty Okay. Um, I use this piece, I think her name is Gail Walden. She wrote a, a paper called like Teeny Boppers and Spirituality, maybe in the late 90s, early 2000s about like NSYNC and Backstreet Boys. And I use her piece a lot in mine. And um, yeah, well the concert, so like, I guess I'm trying to think about what I wrote about, but the thesis is kind of like the queer spirit of the secular and particularly through music groups and music music objects like Elvis, the mm-hmm. Beatles, um, One Direction, and how they use multimedia experiences to captivate their audiences, okay. especially the young audience, and then how the person's relationship to the media object is a queer one in a sense. Everyone holds a different relationship, almost like a fantasy in their mind okay. about what it means to them, how they relate to it. Um, we think about fan fiction yeah. or how people elaborate um, in personal ways, I guess, on the media objects. So when everyone comes together, they're actually coming together in difference um, because it's, it's a private thing. That you, it's almost like a private pleasure you experience, but then at the concert, that private pleasure becomes almost, I guess you could say a public one um, that's shared. And then the, everyone's uh, personal relationship <laughs> comes together and to create an, a queer ecstasy and excess interest and that queer excess is like the ecstasy of the concert um and you think about like in olden times women would have to like go to the edge of the community to go scream or something yeah. right but like the concert becomes a place that it's safe to scream um and to like have this kind of ecstatic release of pleasure and uh, a safe place to do that. And I just think there's something like so powerful to that. Um, and then the trippiness of your idol becoming flesh was part yeah. of my idea too. Yeah, it's yeah. like, it's all fantasy with between you and your friends. You have jokes, you have inside jokes, you have, you know, using these characters, essentially characters that are mediated. And then when it's in person, like the collapsing of all of that is overwhelming mm-hmm. because like you have to like deal with that. It's real in a yeah. sense. And I like, it's kind of yeah. like makes you go, trips you out in a sense that is, brings you to a place of beyondness that you would, that is, that is like, you know, spiritual. So it's like, you're worshiping, but not at a church. So yeah. it, is, it is, the underlying forces are capitalistic and very much sinister. Yes. So yeah. it's complicated, but it serves a good purpose, but it also like is capturing, it's kind of, I don't know, it's complicated. I don't really remember exactly everything I wrote. Yeah. That's the most I could kind of say right, about so it. Look at academia. Yeah, like, yeah, I wrote it 10 years ago. So like, oh you God. know what I mean? But uh, okay. I said something. No, but I relate to what you're saying because I don't know, when I was younger, I would go to concerts all the time. And I mm-hmm. realized in retrospect, it was because of this kind of like spiritual seeking because there's something very ecstatic about it. And mm-hmm. as time went on, I started to realize like there's definitely a dark, it's a dark kind of ecstasy because like, it fills you up it brings you to this climax only to really empty you out and it doesn't like because i don't know like i've experienced other types of like religious ecstatic things that provide you that bring you to a climax that actually that is substantial that lasts for a while right like, the concert, like as soon as it's over you have this low you feel empty yeah so it's like i don't know in a sense i related to like 
I don't know. In a way, I think there's something demonic there. I think there's something like it's interesting. It's something yeah. you're supposed to grow out of, right? Yeah, and I feel that I'm like done with it at this point. Exactly. Where it's like, okay, I could. I went to the Lady Gaga concert this summer, okay. and I participate. I scream, and I have to kind of force myself to do it. But I, and I love it. But um, you know, it is childish to do for yeah. some reason. It feels that way. Well, there's um, a desire for something more sustainable. Lasting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Whereas if you go to like a small venue type of concert when it's not like a big celebrity, that I feel like has a lot more substance and the type of ecstasy. I like it feeds you in a different way. Yeah, know. it's not the same um, though. Uh-uh. Yeah. But um, it's not to say that there's no value in, no. and that there's not something really important going on in I mean, these like kind of fan cultures. Very important. I think... Um, yeah, like I, I've always just been interested in fans, like audiences, fandom, worship, idolatry, yeah. Yeah. and then like the other side of it, like being the performer and performance, and um, like that is something I'll, I'll always be interested in. Yeah. yeah. No, and like I, when I look at my childhood, like I was the type of kid who was like constantly obsessed with celebrities. Like I always had my one person I was obsessed with for the most. Yes. And there's something very natural about this like we want to have some idol to worship yeah and then like as time went on and you know i started to learn more about like the saints sure it's um the type of relationship one has with the saint is different because like i can ask the saints to pray for me I right can ask beyonce to pray for me i, I know sacrifice like people have killed themselves for beyonce i mean i i think know? it's better because they're more eternal these saints like they're canonized and institutionalized in a way that the secular version isn't there's just so much more flux in the yeah. secular secular sphere in a way and um but they mirror each other in a sense or at least the secular is mirroring the religious and it's like we don't have a state church or a state religion like england does so celebrity culture is a lot like royalty culture yeah people are making prayer candles to beyonce for yes. sure yes I've seen and it. it's like well, at least they're getting something. The people who don't have any religion and are writing a candle to Harry Styles, it's like yeah. cringy and makes you sick. But like at least yeah, at least, you know, better. there's something there and you could see that maybe we're in a really early stage of some longer project yeah. of merging all of like religion and state, maybe. I don't know. No, I think that's definitely true. It's better to have the Harry Styles candle <laughs> than to like have nothing. Yeah. And you're spiritually dead. You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, it's definitely curious. Like when I did my thesis project, I went to like a girl's room who had a Harry Styles cutboard cutout and a bedspread yeah. and all for walls at posters. Yeah, that was like me. Not you, for Harry Styles. But. You know, and so just like asking her how she relates to each of these objects in her room and they all hold a story for her. And the reason she put them in a particular part of her room holds meaning for her. And like through the arrangement of these objects, she anchors herself to the world. <laughs> and it's like, wow. <laughs> no, I totally get that. Because like you want when you revere these figures like you want it to be all-encompassing like you want it and again like i don't think harry styles can really pull, fill my life with that kind of deeper meaning i need but at least there's an attempt to grasp for that meaning yeah which i yeah. think is like certain religious figures like the saints potentially can lead you to that more substantial meaning but yeah and in no small part due to the power of music and what, yeah. how music moves us and makes us feel and changes us which i think music and sound are like fundamentally spiritual yes. and there is no such thing as secular music actually yeah. um music is religious and it's by its nature yeah or at least spiritual yeah yeah mm -hmm. cool. <laughs> um well let's go to some hot topics okay sure hot takes so you're a fan of marianne williamson 
Yes. Um, the bitch for God. The what? The bitch for God. That's what she calls herself. Oh, okay. Did you ever hear that? No, I think no. It, was the, um, it wasn't the Democratic National Convention. It was some speech, speech where she's like, I'm a bitch for God. Oh. I think it's pretty accurate. I love that she would say that. Yeah. Um, no, so what appeals to you about Marianne Williamson? She is the candidate that appeals to me. I'm feeling like I need that is going to campaign for her. Um, what appeals to me about her is her politics mm -hmm. and her femininity. I like that she is so smart and educated about American history. Mm -hmm. um, she's really well-spoken. She's a really moving speaker. Um, and she's not shy to share her beliefs. Yeah. Um, I just think that she really sees the bigger picture in a way that many other people don't. And um, I like that she st stand like her main thing, I guess, is standing up to like corruption and politics and corrupt money and stuff like yep. that. Um, basically, I don't believe in the project of America. I don't really think mm -hmm. America should exist. I think we should dissolve it. Mm -hmm. I think like, you know, no president is a good president and all of that. I don't really vote. I vote, but like, I don't really care. Yeah. But, um, you know, I understand that America isn't just going to dissolve into nothing and yeah. that the system that's in place is going to continue. So as long as that's happening, uh, if I had to pick a candidate, I would pick her. Yeah, she she's just stunning, charismatic, gorgeous. Yeah. She's funny. She's, she's funny, funny. And she's articulate. She, her core issues, I stand with her. I need, like, um, taking money out of politics and... Uh, environmental issues, mm -hmm. uh, reparations, things like that. Just yeah. think she's awesome. And it's hard to pin down her own brand of spirituality. It's it's very unique, I would say. Yeah. I would say it's woo-woo adjacent. Yeah. It's definitely woo-woo. And I, I'm like all for the woo-woo. Yeah. Um, a Return to Love which, or A Course on Miracles is based mm -hmm. on a book or maybe A Return to Love is based on A Course in Miracles. And A Course in Miracles apparently is like a CIA-funded MK Ultra project oh, okay yeah interesting so that part is like uh you know creeps me out a little bit that hmm. claim to fame is based on this like government funded uh book <laughs> but other than that i mean that doesn't really bother me i guess it just adds to the intrigue if anything do you have any mk ultra hot takes ultra hot takes MK ultra. oh mk ultra not really i feel like you know to this day, the government is influencing public thought in ways that are unknown and sinister. Yeah. So it's pretty disheartening <laughs> to think that if there was ever an organic movement or thought or uh, belief that it could be easily destroyed or intercepted by like yeah. evil forces that use dark psychology or something. <laughs> yeah, I just find the denial of all those things to be like, at this point, how I don't understand how people deny that these things are going on, you know? It's like, I just feel like it's becoming so blatant. Honestly, everything that, it's all hiding in plain sight. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of it is. Like, there are just things that, like, they, <laughs> I'm not too conspiratorial, but I do think there's a reason that people are conspiratorial. Yeah. And that there are things, bigger things going on that everybody is wrong about and we just don't know. And yeah. I think like the lies are just so blatant and so unhidden at times that it becomes like, that's exactly what makes them hard to know what, like what's real or not, or like what is actually 
like uh, being planted or mm. deceptive. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. We'll soon find out, I'm sure, at some point. Or we'll just never find out. Maybe. It's like, there are just things we take for granted as everyday truths that are just not true, but we'll never know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, so the other thing I was going to ask, you're a big fan of The View. I am. The View is still going on after all these years. That's amazing. How I long have you been watching it for, though? Since when? I've been watching The View daily, maybe since like 20... 15, 2014. So who was there back in those days? Whoopi was there. Whoopi, Whoopi was, was there. there. Yeah, Whoopi's still the moderator. Yeah. Whoopi's, I don't know how long Whoopi's been moderating. Probably since like 2011 or 2009. Yeah. Like a long time. Um, the View has been on since like 1999. Wow. It was the first show on television ever to have women con talking to each other about the news and hot topics. Mm -hmm. They kind of pioneered the phrase hot topics. Yeah. Um, it was kind of like before there was Twitter, honestly, they would be like the four, you know, four or five ladies just talking about random news stories. Like yep. they could be entertainment news, political news, really anything. And Barbara Walters founded it. Rest in peace. She just died. Oh yeah. Um, like last Christmas. Yeah. Um, she was like 97 or something. Oh my God. But um, it's a genius show. Joy Behar has been on since the yep. inception, except for one year in like 2013 and I interned for her other show. Oh wow. Mm -hmm, when she was off the view. So I would give her coffee and stuff. Okay. Um, wow. Yeah. She? The same as on TV. She's yeah. On. She has the same name as my grandmother, Josephine. Okay. Uh-huh. She called me Justin Bieber. She's like, here comes Justin Bieber with my coffee. I was like 22 years old. <laughs> um, I loved that. I wrote that in my phone, at my notes app as soon as it happened. Uh, wow. Like, I just love the idea of four women talking to each other. Yeah, it rocks. When Megan McCain was on, I barely watched it, though. Really? Yeah, she was so hard to watch. She really sucks. Why? Because of her views or her personality? Both. Her personality, Both. mostly. Yeah. Terrible. Um, she would scream. She would interrupt. Like a little princess brat. Something I liked about her, I guess, is that she loves reality television. So she was... Oh, it's okay. Um... <laughs> No problem. She like um would talk about the housewives, like Clay Aiken is her best friend. Yeah. Um she loves LGBTs. Yeah. And but the, she's not a great conversationalist. So mm. thank God she left because once she left, I was able to watch it every day again. Yeah. yeah. And that's how I get my news. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. What about is Sherry Shepard's not on anymore, right? No, Sherry Shepard actually has her own show now. She does. She replaced right. Wendy. Um oh, Wendy went off the air yeah. because she was having health well, issues. I heard about that. Yeah. And I mean, no one could replace Wendy because she no. was has a singular voice in television that no one I've else has ever liked her. I've met Wendy several times. You've been to Wendy? I've met her. Oh, you met her? Yes. Yes. So she's, she's amazing. My mom was going to some doctor's office in Jersey and she was in the elevator and Wendy walked in. Oh my God. And my mom was like, Wendy, you have to wait because my son is a huge fan. I'm going to call him right now. Wow. So I got a call and I was like, you know, a teenager's like, what, mom? What do you want? And he, she was like, I have someone who wants to say hi. Wow. Young. I was like, what? Wow. So then she was like, how are you doing? And then she told my mom to go get plastic surgery from her doctor. Oh, my she God. It, wow. Yeah, Queen of Wendy. New Jersey. Yep. Wendy Williams. So that's Wendy. So she replaced Wendy. Yes. Okay. No, Sherry's on. Sherry is doing great. Um, Sherry was great on The View. Um, Star Jones is on The View. Oh, yeah. Hasselback was on The View. Yeah. Yeah. 
Elizabeth Hasselbeck was the first person from a reality show to ever like become a main like a daily talk show host. She was what from Survivor. Show? She's Survivor. Okay, mm-hmm. that's what um, and now there's this woman. The conservative is called Alyssa Farah Griffin. I don't know her. She used to work for Trump in his administration. Oh, okay. And then she, she denounced. Oh gosh, someone broke Welcome a glass. To Manhattan. We're in a cafe, remember? Yep. Um, she like denounced the riot, Capitol riots, and now she's a co-host on The View. She's like a 33-year-old little princess type. Like she's pretty doing pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a lot better than Megan. Oh, it's okay. Um, but uh, my broom just fell on us. Yeah, The View is my thing. I watch it every morning with my hard-boiled egg and my diet nice. coke, and okay. uh, it keeps me grounded. It yeah. gives me a routine. Um, I hope there's some viewers out there. And I'm if you sure. are a viewer and you love The View, I highly recommend a podcast called Deja The View. Okay, interesting. It's like a monthly podcast, and they talk about The View, but it's like, if you love The View, you will love Deja The View. It's okay. the best podcast of all time, basically. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so Whoopi's been making a lot of news lately for her hot um, What is going on with Whoopi right now? I can't. I haven't been following this. Well, uh, one of the news stories about Whoopi was that she made some, like, maybe it was a Holocaust uh like comment oh. and then she was suspended from the show for like two weeks over it i don't even remember what she said she'll say things that are just like incorrect or not appropriate often um her views are really just all over the place yeah um she really is like a diehard Joe Biden moderate. Uh-huh. So like whenever something like political comes up, she'll advocate for like the most moderate stance, mm-hmm. which is really hard. She, but her one, her most progressive views, I guess, are on like gay and transgender issues. Really? Like she uh-huh. rides for that community really hard. Obviously she herself is gay or transgender deep down. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but like she doesn't identify that way. She's famously said, like, I'm not going to let a man stay in my house. Like, she's single. She's been married several times. Yeah, and she's learned that she only got married due to societal pressure and that yeah. she's meant to be single and live alone. Huh. Um, and she just has people come over for sex, you know what I mean? And they leave. Okay. Yeah. Interesting, Whoopi. Um, and Whoopi lives, like, five minutes from where my family is in Jersey. Yeah, she's a New Jersey girl, yeah. for sure. Whoop. She has her house there. Her granddaughter Amara was on the show called Claim to Fame over oh, wow. the summer. Okay. Highly recommend watching Claim to Fame. It was amazing. Do you remember when Whoopi had beef with Wendy? No. Because when Ra- Wendy had the radio show back in the mm. day, which I used to listen to every day after school, mm-hmm. she would, I mean, she was really trashy. Like, she would talk shit about everybody. And it was yeah. mean, like, very mean. Yeah, she's mean. Um, <laughs> but she spoke about Whoopi's granddaughter or daughter somebody related to Whoopi and she like it was a, when this person was young so Whoopi was like how could you talk about a child then Wendy had Whoopi on the tv show and she started sobbing and she's like I'm so sorry it was such a mistake and Whoopi forgave her oh my god <laughs> very performative wow but, yeah, yeah I mean yeah Whoopi has an attitude problem she won't talk about any topic if she doesn't care about the topic on the view she won't talk at all the yeah. whole time if she thinks the topic is superficial, she'll she'll talk about the topic in like a valley girl mocking voice the whole time. Do you think like they pay her to be like that or is that her real personality? Oh, it's real. Okay. They don't pay her to be anyway. Yeah. Like she is very powerful. She brings a lot of star power to the table. She's been doing it for so long. Um, she has a lot of control. She doesn't have to show up for work, yeah. basically. She only does four days a week of the show instead of five. Wow. Um, 
she probably gets the best treatment out of anyone there. Probably the biggest paycheck. Maybe Joy is comparable, but she's not. Joy isn't the moderator and would be a, so. They're paying her a lot, and um, she holds it down at the View. Yeah. yeah. Without her, it would really fall apart. When Rosie was hosting the View, oh, I really wow. I loved Rosie on the View, but um, Rosie will never go back to the View. Rosie was treated really poorly, and um, that's Did when she like got fired? Uh, huh? She got fired. Maybe like she caught she wasn't used to being a host in the capacity that it, you needed to be at the view which yeah. is a round table discussion she really was used to running the show and she brought a lot of that bossiness yeah. like it's her show to the view which in some instances was fantastic like when k-fed and britney broke up she did a confetti release at oh the view God. you know what i mean that's so rosy yeah that's something the rosy show would have done but in other ways it wasn't so great. She got in a huge fight with Elizabeth Hasselbeck. Oh, yeah. Um, Elizabeth Hasselbeck like, kind of claimed that Rosie was coming on to her too strong. Yeah. But I don't believe her. I, Rosie was just, you know, maybe Rosie had a small crush on her, but it wasn't, maybe. it wasn't, se- it wasn't sexual. Like, I'm gonna, have, yeah, you know, it was, emotional. it was sweet. Yeah. Um, and she really did mentor Elizabeth a lot. Okay. One of the main things about Rosie on The View is that her feud with Donald Trump was really public. Yes, that's what I was going to bring up. Yeah. And Trump it, it went in on her. It was, a, it was a big precursor to the 2016 election. Yeah. yeah. Um, the View actually ties in the 2016 election in a major way because the first episode of The View ever, Hillary Clinton was on it and Trump was a topic. And that was in 1999. Oh, wow. And so up into 2016, Hillary Clinton is almost like the perfect candidate for The View. She represents the politics yeah. of the view oh, yeah. perfectly. And they rode yeah. so, so hard for her. And when she lost, did. everything at the view changed. Yeah. It was devastating. And Trump is almost the number one enemy of the view in a lot of ways. He's, he's never been oh, on a the lot. View. He's been on the view a lot. After, during the election? Before, a lot before. Because I remember, so when the Rosie thing happened, I remember he said something about like Rosie's partner. Mm. And he was like, I feel bad for her partner. What must it be like to go home and to be like, yeah, I'm dating this fat pig. Yeah. That's a very Trumpism. I mean, Trump is hilarious <laughs> no, and great television. Yeah, in that regard. He's really. a perfect I villain. The Apprentice all the time. This oh, I love The Apprentice. Apprentice mm-hmm. The Beyond War clips are genius. I, I need to rewatch that. I mean, I'm a huge Survivor fan. Yeah. The Apprentice. That's all Mark Burnett. Do you remember Trump went on Wendy before he ran? Oh, yeah. And he was like, she said, can we expect another series season of Celebrity Apprentice? He's like, that depends if I run for president. And she's like, come on, Donald. We know you're not going to do it. And then, like, two random people in the crowd started cheering, and they had, like, a Trump 2016 sign. Oh, my God. Amazing. Wow. It's crazy that he actually became president. They should have done a reality show about working at the White House. That would have been great. But, um... I mean, Trump isn't the root of the problem of American politics. And The View helped, The View and all of television created who he was, like yeah. created the, uh, like the circumstances for him to become president. So it's, you know what I mean? But uh, I just find it so interesting how Hillary, Hillary, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump are baked into the DNA of The View from the inception. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting. Yeah. Um, so now I want to move on to the Oscars. The Oscars are coming up. The Oscars are coming up. Um, um, they're tomorrow, or they're two days from today that we're yeah, recording. Two days that we're recording. Yeah. So what are some hot takes you have about the Oscars? What's, uh, what's going on hot. this year? What's up? <laughs> oh, my God. I'm not a person that has hot takes, but I watched all the Oscar movies this year. Oh, you did? Okay. Uh-huh, because I have a Regal pass, so I, I pay monthly to go to Regal. And I see every movie at Regal. I go to the movies alone 
yeah, once a week at least. Cool. Yeah. How much does it cost nowadays in, in New York to go to? A you pay twenty four fifty a month uh, uh-huh. to go to unlimited movies at any Regal. Oh, that's a good deal. Yeah, you can go as much as you want. So I do, and because um, I'm a loser, freak, like permit manure uh i'm like what could i do to not be at home on my phone for two hours i go to the movies so i basically saw every movie so i'm like i have to see the oscar i'm like i just i not that i really care but i like it gives me meaning (laughs) yeah i loved tar i loved the fablemans have you seen either of those i haven't seen anything this year honestly you didn't see everything everywhere all at once no everybody keeps telling me to see it it's not good but it's gonna win every award a lot of people told me it was good. Do you think? A lot of people think it's good. It's definitely going to win Best Picture, Best Actress, probably yeah. other awards, Best Supporting, even. Um, but it's not a. It's a great movie, sure. Yeah. But I didn't like it. No. It's basically like millennial Buzzfeed core humor oh. in this kind of multiverse kind of premise that's reminiscent of Marvel in a sense. So. Yeah. It has mass appeal, but then the core of the story is, you know, a Chinese immigrant, maybe they're Chinese, I don't want to get it wrong, an Asian immigrant family with a queer daughter, which makes it not, you know, which makes it liberal in a sense, like uh, appealing to that a person who cares about social issues like that. And it's very tender at the core and touching, like you may cry watching it because of the, the core story, but all the trappings are like, for a 15 year old or for a person who is like, hasn't been online enough that like millennial Buzzfeed core humor is like funny to them. Okay, interesting. And it's a long movie. Movies are long nowadays, yeah, like three hours. Nobody like, has attention spans anymore. Why do they the make deal? them three hours? Apparently, they want you to get your money's worth at the theater. No, it's okay. I don't, my attention span shot, the internet's ruined it. So three hours, my God. Have you seen? You haven't seen any movies. I mean, can't even talk about them. But I, I recommend Women Talking. Okay, loved that one. It's so good. Women are talking. Yeah, women are talking. Do you like? I like women when they talk to each yeah. other, and women generally. Yeah. So do you? I don't know. I mean, with these award shows, in terms of like, do you take seriously who wins? Like, do you think it's yeah? Like, it's just no. It's like, who joke. cares who wins? Or yeah. not? everyone knows it's when you politics or something. Yeah. What do you make? But of all they're the, still meaningful. Yeah. Why is it meaningful to you? They're meaningful not to me, but just in general. Like, they mean something, whether or not, you know, the person deserves it. Or, like, this, you know, this picture only won because X, Y, or Z reasons. Or, like, this actress is only getting it because she's an Asian-American woman who deserves it. Um, In the end of the day, when you're applying for jobs and your agent's calling people, they know your name. You're an Academy Award-winning actor, writer, director. Um, It doesn't matter, like if it means you're the best or not, like, uh, they are awards and they carry cachet and that's it. Yeah. Uh, what about, I mean, what do you make of all this political kind of controversy that surrounds these award shows? You think it's it's like funny. Or like, did you hear that like President Zelensky asked to be on the award show oh, and they denied him again? Like two years in a row, he wanted to appear yeah. at the Academy Awards. Yeah. And they're like, no, <laughs> you really shouldn't. We can't have you, which I think is a good idea not to have him. Yeah, I don't think uh, they should be bringing in, like, those topics, those political things to the show. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't really think that many people take that seriously anymore, though. Like, it's become such a joke at this point. What do you mean? Just, like, all this, like, 
the virtue signaling and whatnot in the speeches and the controversy over like who is being nominated. And it's like the fact that it's so repetitive that all these award shows have these controversies surrounding them. It's like, it's just performative. I don't know. Yeah. All of like, you know, the media ecosystem is just a headline generating machine in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, so at the award show, the tradition is that the person who won the award from last year presents the person from the next year. And this year, Will Smith can't really present yeah. the award for best actor. So I'm interested to see how they handle that and who presents it. Yeah. <laughs> so then what do you make of this whole Chris Rock thing? I mean, the, the Netflix special came out this week. Everybody's talking about it. Great timing for the special. Yeah, do you Yeah, care? they talked about it on The View today. Of course they do. Um, <laughs> do I care? No. no. I, I don't really think... I mean, it was great to see someone get slapped on TV, like, but it was just a slap at the end of the day. It wasn't a punch. Um, it wasn't like, yeah. you know, it was wrong to do, but it wasn't the greatest defense of all time. Uh, yeah. And, mm. you know, people, it's sensational. And I think that's it. I don't really think there's any substance behind it. I think Will Smith is like a scary man with all the pent up issues and repressed feelings yeah um and that those kind of people act out or sometimes hit somebody but a hit like that isn't more than just like someone throwing a hissy fit what doesn't it didn't inflict like real pain yeah or harm like i don't know i don't really care about it i mean my i don't know my my base take is that like everything that happens at award shows are like everything's planned. It's all like, you think it's planned. Going into what you were saying about like these secular kinds of uh, you know, liturgical worshiping. Yeah, I, know, I do think there's something very ritualistic about all of these award shows and the um, the scandals, the um, sensational kind of controversies that happen. Like I do think it's a it's a form of expiation in a sense. Like you no, know, Will Smith was like the sacrificial victim. And, then, and this is what I said. This is what happens. Okay, this was all planned. It wasn't, uh, though. I don't know. I don't believe that anyway. I, Continue. I want to do. <laughs> but no, I mean, I think, so yeah, like Will Smith is humiliated. Now everybody's talking. He's the sacrificial lamb. And then when I said this, Chris Rock is going to get a Netflix special very soon. And this is going to be the center of it. And it's, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's lunatic to say, but I feel like this everything in award shows that there's always some stupid yeah spectacle. And I'm like, yeah, right, it's a spectacle, is... and they just take advantage of it once it happens. Yeah. So there's plans or not? I don't know. It's but like when Kanye it's so West. Though. You think? I don't think it's. I don't think Will Smith slapping Chris Rock was predictable in any way, and I think that's the only reason it's sensational, though. But you don't think these like sensational things happen on award shows? Like, I expect something, something's going to happen at the Oscars. I don't know if it's going to be a slap. Not um, always. Something's nothing happens, which sucks. We all we pray will, something. We'll find out. We'll see. We'll yeah. See what I mean, we'll that's the beauty of live television, which yeah. I love live television. I watch everything that's live, usually, like yeah. any mass event. I like it. I, I'm here at the altar of popular culture, taking yeah. notes and listening. <laughs> and uh, I think it's interesting how it influences at least, you know, discussions in the public. Mm-hmm. I think that's what all it's good for. Like on The View today, they were like, what do you think about Chris Rock's Netflix special, great timing, wasn't it? Or like, should, is it appropriate to make jokes about Will Smith at the Oscars? There's a rumor where there's gonna be jokes about the slap and some of them are like, they shouldn't make any jokes about it. 
uh, Chris Rock's <laughs> response in his Netflix in his Netflix special closes the loop and it's over. Let's please not talk about it anymore. And then some of them are like, they can make jokes about it. Well, who cares? It's the Oscars. We're gonna expect jokes about it. They should address it. So it's like, oh, like none of this matters. <laughs> yeah. Well, soon, sir, we'll soon find out what's gonna happen. I did like uh, the movie that Chris that Will Smith was in, King Richard. It was great. Okay, so I started watching it, and then my uh, HBO Max account cut out for some reason. Oh, I shit. never finished it, so oh, well. I liked what I saw. Yeah, it was a good good. movie. I have to finish it somehow. Um, I like when movies are good. Okay. (laughs) All right, so we'll we'll see who wins. Um, Any last last hot takes? Anything else we want to bring up? I'd love to plug something, yes. About daylight savings time. Yeah, oh, yes, yes, yes. Tell us. I want to hear about daylight savings. I'm passionate about this. I guess... I don't know. Are you? Do you have any opinion on changing the clocks back and forth? Do you think this is a practice we should continue doing? Um, I've always thought it was weird and confusing. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, whatever, whatever it is. It just like happens and you deal with it. I, yeah, it just doesn't really affect you. Yeah, but why? Yeah. Why do you feel so strongly about it? I don't know. Time itself is political, right? Yeah. How it's managed, how it's kept. We have a seven-day week. It's called the work week. We use the Gregorian calendar. Yeah. We're in Judeo-Christian time. We count the years by Christ. Yeah. All of these things are very meaningful. Um, they structure our lives, time. And changing it disrupts life. And it just makes no sense to me. Okay, there's standard time and there's daylight savings time. There are bills going through Congress and state senates to permanently put us into daylight savings time, which is the time we keep in the summer. Okay. It's an hour ahead of standard time. People like this because it gives us, we don't come out of work and it's dark out. People yeah. hate that. People are more optimistic when there's some sun at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I understand that. This is a very juvenile position to take Yeah. because standard time is actual time. It's time that measures the sun based on the natural progression of, yeah. the, of the earth and the sun. It may be sad that the sun will set earlier in summer by an hour. Do we need the sun out at 9 p.m. in the summer? Should we be watching Jeopardy in broad daylight? I don't think so. And in the winter, kids would be going to school in the dark. It's 8 a.m., it's pitch black, and they're waiting for the bus. Yeah. In 1968, maybe it was, or 1974, they did a permanent daylight savings time, and kids died going to school. Oh, my God. Yes. Drivers are groggy in the morning. Yeah. But truck drivers, because people are going to work at 8 a.m. and it should be light out. Yeah. Um, that's a really good reason to keep up to keep standard time. Mm-hmm. Even if we're going to change the time back and forth, it should never be a permanent daylight savings time. Yeah. Right. As a teenager, I would have told you we need daylight savings time because I wake up at 10 a.m. and I don't go yeah. to bed to 1 a.m. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. But if you're just thinking about everybody and like real life. Time should relate to the natural progression of the sun. When it's noon, the sun should be at its peak position. Mm-hmm. There's just no reason to keep changing it. So if people are going to be proposing laws to stop the change, yeah. which a lot of people want, hmm. people, you know, it's annoying to change the time. It doesn't make any sense. There's no reason we're doing it other than we're grandfathered into it, right? Yeah. Um, so if we're going to be making laws about the time at all, it should be to keep standard time. It would just make a lot more sense. And I don't want to keep changing the time. I think it is 
negative has a net negative effects psychologically i think it keeps the people down mm-hmm. i just don't agree with it in any yeah. sense i can't help it i don't know why i'm so passionate about it i maybe because i'm an astrologer maybe and i believe in natural time mm-hmm. or that astrology is my favorite timekeeping system okay. it is the most natural way to keep time and if i was running the world we would change our months to be the astrological seasons hmm. it makes a lot more sense there's another there's another way to keep time that is 13 months which i also agree with okay but um anyway is that solar or lunar it's more lunar to have a 13 month yeah. calendar That's what i was gonna ask should we go lunar? we could have um we could have a calendar where every month is an equal four weeks and then every six years or something, or so many years, there's like an extra week in the calendar, so which we could week. have holiday. Okay. Okay. Like a leap week. Huh. Uh huh. So isn't Judaism and Islam are lunar, right? Probably. I know Islam's lunar. And there are lunar holidays in Christianity, like Easter. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, you know, the, if we based our calendar around the sun and the moon, that would be awesome. Yeah. And I think. You know, if <laughs> the secular time is is wrapped up in religious time, and religious time is wrapped up in astrological time and mm. pagan time, and I just wish more of that timekeeping. I just think it is more human, more uniting mm-hmm. to keep time. I think it's a more human way to keep time, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it's an. I think it's also neutral because it's just the facts of the movement of the yeah. heavens. So well, is, are there and I think move, standard yeah. time just matches better with natural time. But are there like political movements that people can become part of to like advocate for these things? I don't know. I think there should be. I would love to join a political movement okay. to keep standard time. I feel like Marianne Williamson would be the right person to lead that. I think so too. There's a Twitter account called Save Standard Time. Okay. And they're the only group I know that's doing any work to kind of get the word out about standard time. Um, I don't know. I just think like it's a no-brainer. It's yeah. kind of easy to do, and like yeah. the it, it there's no like left or right political valence to it. It's kind of just a common sense political mm-hmm. choice. Time is political, and it's just a simplification of time, and it's more rational than daylight savings time. If we're gonna have a permanent time, we should not get a permanent daylight savings time, which we may due to the laws that are trying to get passed. If we get a permanent daylight time, it's not going to work and we're going to move back to having two times again. And they're going to say, see, we can't have one time yeah. when we could if it was standard time. And if it could just be over with one standard time. Arizona does it. Huh. Wait, but if we were to change this, would this have to be like a whole global, like international movement? Or could no, we other countries do don't change the clocks. You're right. Okay. Arizona doesn't. Huh. And it could, you All know, right. there's another state, I think it might be Colorado that's making a bill to stop it too. Some states though are going to be permanent daylight savings time. Wow. So it's like, so there confusing. is movement right now towards this thing. And I think there could be a cascading effect and a federal effect down the line. We just have to like push it towards standard time because that is the most rational choice between these two times. Okay. <laughs> Period. Wow. Yeah. So you just enlightened me right now. There's I'm glad. I it's just, I gotta get them. I'm like, I don't see anyone really talking about this and I feel like, okay, this is something that I could yeah. take up. Wow. So the movement will begin. The movement will begin. We'll see. We'll okay, see we're starting happens. with this episode. Yeah, yeah. People got this far. Like, yeah. join me. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. So Kyle, before we go, anything you want to plug? Yeah. Buy merch at my store. Yeah. I dash or I hyphen need hyphen God.com. 
I'm having an Easter drop in like four weeks. Okay. And it's like a lot, I'm elevating everything. It's going to be like more custom wow. designed a little higher, not just t-shirts. And I'm really excited for that. And then I also have a podcast. Um, yes. I just started it maybe like six months ago mm-hmm. and it's on our website, i-need-god.com or you could just search for it. Called, it's called I Need God Pod. Okay. And I just like do, like, honestly, you could be on it because yeah. I would love to talk to you about being a prof- an adjunct professor of religion or whatever mm-hmm. studies you've done in religious studies, uh, history of that or, you know, Greek Orthodox stuff. Um, yeah. But it's just different topics in spirituality and religion. Yeah, and I've been, you know, just doing it because I feel like there's not many places where you can go just to get general spiritual and religious yeah. conversations. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So that's, yeah, that's it. Uh, thank you for having me on. It thank was you, really Kyle. fun talking this to you. It was a good time. Yeah. Right. Um, and I love where we're recording. I hope uh, it comes out okay. Yeah. Hopefully, all the banging and the shattering cups doesn't come through too loud. But yeah. The ambience was cool. This is almost like yeah. ASMR. In a way. Yeah. 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 So hopefully, you enjoy the background vibes. But uh, no, Kyle, thanks for coming on. Thank you again. Bye, everyone. Bye.